What's going on, everybody? I'm Mara. And I'm Taz. And welcome back to Sisters Who Kill. You know, they say everything that glitters ain't gold. And the grass is not always greener on the other side. But when your side thing is looking real good and shining real bright, what will you do to keep the love shining at night? If you're listening to this, you probably already know what I'm about to say, that today is the day for you to start your podcast. You have everything that you need, your computer, a little microphone, and Spotify for podcasters. It is the all-in-one platform where you can host, edit, and record your podcast and distribute it everywhere. Where you're listening right now, you can have your podcast there. I promise, for real. And it's free. And you can make some money off of your podcast for free. Free money. Free money is out there. Just go get it by starting your podcast today. I know you love that DJ, so I bought us tickets for next week. Got you a coffee, oatmeal cappuccino, right? Your bookshelf. Wow. You've got a really, really great taste. Really great taste. Let's spend the day together. I've got it all planned out. Kindness. Now that's sexy. Try it for yourself with compliments now on Bumble. Our players this week are George Young, our victim, Harvey Timothy Lee, our accomplice, and Tia Young, George's wife, and our murderess. Tia Trollim Banks was born in 1975, somewhere in South Carolina, and the details of her childhood aren't completely clear, but what we do know is that when she was in South Carolina, she went to Conway High School where she met George Young. Now, her and George, they started dating, and they were high school sweethearts. Because they were high school sweethearts, their families got really close because the kids are dating, they're in love. I think we might all become family soon. She was also really close with George's sister, and that was like her best friend. They were really close. That bond that you would imagine a lot of siblings in-laws would have if they're happy and healthy and non-chaotic. Why you gotta be like this? The two ended up graduating from high school. Like I said, they went to Conway High School and they got married in 1995. After they got married in 1995, Tia was about 20 years old. Tia is now Tia Young. And they decided that they wanted to really start their life. And so they decided that they were gonna move to South Carolina down to Georgia, Beaufort, Georgia to be exact, so they could really start their family. Now, Tia's husband, his name was George Frederick Young III. He was born in Brooklyn, New York. On July 24th, 1974, to his parents, George Frederick Young Jr. and Marjorie Oler Morgan. At some point in his childhood, they moved to South Carolina. And of course, we moved to South Carolina. That's when he went to high school, met his boo. They got married. They graduated in 92, got married in 95. You guys are up at the story. Now, when he moved down to Georgia with his bride, he was also a member of the Jehovah's Witness at Kingdom Hall in Lawrenceville, Georgia. So he's very devoted to his faith. Now, their family started to grow. Him and Tia started to have children. They ended up having three boys in total. That's always Dylan, been my dream. Three boys? Mm-hmm. 
I want to start with a boy, but like you can give me, you can throw a girl in there. Don't give me too many of them. Whatever the good Lord gives me is what I'll take. That's what I keep saying, but you know, read my mind, Lord. So they ended up having three boys total, Dylan, Destin, and Desmond. I wonder why he didn't give himself a fourth. That's really weird. Hmm. Some just be done yeah. with it. Like I have a, I have a cousin who's a fourth and all growing up, he was like, if I ever have a son, I'm not, I'm not naming him the fifth. You know how it's like to be called a number your whole life? No. <laughs> I get made fun of. But now he's open to the idea. And then it was like, we won't call him by that name. We'll just call him V, which I thought was cute. I like that. So you got to be creative. Like your nephew, his name is Deucey. Yeah. He's not junior. Well, he's at the second, but we just call him Deucey. He's of the second, yeah. And I've seen quite a lot of, like, I don't know if this is a black men thing, but, like, a lot of black men that I've seen, it could be white people. I don't know what white people do. They're like, I don't want a junior. That makes you seem low, and you ain't lower than nobody. You ain't no junior to nobody. So no, you it's just second. passing on a name. The same mm-hmm. way a concerned father wants the baby to have their last name, like— Cause you want something to pass down. Oh, is that what concerned fathers do? I mean, I like a lot of deadbeat daddies that won't. But <laughs> I mean, they're playing concerned at the moment. But there are some who like don't put my baby, don't put give that baby my name. That's not my kid. You know what I mean? It's just comparing them to those niggas. Jesus be a fence all around me every day. <laughs> <laughs> Protect me from niggas like that as I travel <laughs> along the way. I know you will. Okay. <laughs> George has a family to support now. He's got his wife. He's got a house. He's got these three kids. He's got just be a man about it. He's got to make some money. So George, he started his own business, Metro Atlanta Security and Fire Company, and he, that was based out of Norcross, basically doing, like, security. And George was an extremely hardworking man. He had multiple jobs. If he wasn't working for himself and his businesses, he was working for somebody else with their business. Now, Tia, she had a job here and there, but it wasn't, like, a significant job at the time. It was just enough to keep a little bit of money flowing, but George was really the breadwinner. And one day, Tia meets this man named Rob Strickland. Rob, he has a security company, Strickland Security Solutions, LLC. And she meets Rob and she's like, oh, my husband does security too. Let me give you his number. He is always looking for some extra work, some extra calls, whatever. Here, let me give you his number. So Rob is like, okay, I don't know who this woman is, but let me give her husband a call. So Rob ends up giving George a call and they actually hit it off pretty well. Rob and George became pretty cool. And Rob worked for very high-end clientele. So he he would have George come in for some of the calls that they had, especially the celebrity calls when they needed it. Not only was George working for Rob part-time as well as George working for himself, they became really cool. They actually became buddies. Now, with George working for Rob, running his business and some other part-time, he's putting in 60, 70 hours a week just to maintain this household. And then along the way, Tia loses her dad. And this, of course, devastates her. Tia loved her dad, and she was just so sad that she couldn't hardly take care of herself. She already suffered from depression as it is, and so this on top of that, like they said, all she would do is just lay around, couldn't do nothing, just was depressed, okay? And her husband's like, don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of things. He works for his family. He provides for his family. 
And like, not only did she have the support of her husband, but she had the support of both her family members too. Like they really combined as one and his sister's coming down, her mother's coming down. Like everybody's checking on her and building her up. Life goes on, George goes to work and he's taking care of them kids. He sleeps, he on the grind. He's doing all this work, and he ends up getting contacted from an old friend in South Carolina who had just moved down to Georgia. This man's name is Harvey Timothy Lee, but he just goes by Tim. He's a bit younger than George, and he's born in 1979, and he's looking for work. He's been staying in motels and shit. I mean, he's struggling. He just need a break, right? So, you know, he needs somebody to just help him out. Now, Tim and George, they were friends in South Carolina, and... It's now 2015, and George has extended an invitation for Tim to come live with him. And he was like, I'll set you up with a job at my company. We see if we can help get you on your feet. Tim's Tim like, and his three kids and his wife. You already got a house full. Mm-hmm. And my house is that full. Don't be expecting no invite from me. But, yeah, he was just like, let me, let me see what I can do for you. So Tim goes and moves in. Now, Rob out a funny feeling from Tim. He was like, this man ain't like George. George come here, he hustle, he work. He's like, he's complete opposite. He was with John. He was quiet. He looked around a lot like he was anxious. George, big fella, had a bright smile, captured the room. But this guy, he just, he, he looked a little skittish. And then as he sees the work that Tim is doing for George, Rob is like, he ain't really all that good at his job. He don't know what he's doing. And he's like, George is always having to follow behind him. And it's like, when somebody works for you and you spend a good part of your job correcting the work that they did, they either got to get better or they no longer work for you. You know what I mean? Or on the other hand, when you get somebody a job and they're working with you mm-hmm. and you don't want to lose your job based off of this bad recommendation that you gave. And so you're like, oh, no, they're OK. They're OK. They're OK. When really you're trying to save your ass because you put your neck on the line giving somebody a recommendation for a job. Because let me tell you about Rob and what's it, Rob's last name? Strickland. I'm about to. Let me tell you about Strickland Solutions. It's a job, okay? (laughs) Now, remember Rob and George. Rob and George are cool. And Rob didn't even know that Tim was staying at George's place at the time. He couldn't figure out. Honestly, he was like, I know this is like his friend from when they were younger, but I really couldn't figure out why dude was even hanging out with somebody like him. But, you know, I don't judge your company because who you have over don't do nothing for me. me. Now, George is working, 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 and he is really realizing that all that time that he's not spending at home is really starting to affect his marriage. Him and Tia getting into it every so often. Tia's feeling like, you don't have time for me. You don't spend time for me. We don't go out. We ain't even having sex no more. Like, what's really good? And George is like, baby, I'm tired. I'm working. You at the house all day, and the boys got the lights on all day, and the power bill is out the roof. That means I got to keep working. I just feel... That if you are working security for Beyonce and Usher, I don't understand how you're so broke. And this is one of your three jobs. He's working for the man that's Beyonce and Shaq and all those things. So he's getting paid like... A wage. It's not his company that's got the big contracts. But I'm sure it's it's a nice wage. Yeah, I'm sure it's a nice wage. But also, like, when it comes to. Two car notes, two insurances, a mortgage, property tax, feeding three teen, three growing boys, 
is enough to <laughs> feeding three growing boys is enough to put you under feeding your wife now feeding a grown man they no one is away from the house so your utilities are constantly on like i can see how the bills pile up bro, pile bro. up but three jobs i don't think they were my man got three jobs of course i have to work because nobody else is working and i'm supporting three including myself three adults and, and three, three children kids. i could see it i don't know tia is the one that said he was broke broke so was right. he actually broke broke by or could you Sam? not just do whatever you wanted with the money and that's the thing because if you want to go and get your nails done every single week no girl you're gonna have to wait till you need a normal fill-in every two weeks like everybody else or maybe you just don't get your nails done because you had three kids and or it's just not don't. in the budget they had her press hair, on. Her hair, them wigs sure had pump it up all over them. They were spiked up. <laughs> now, remember, Tia lost her job, so George is really trying to put in that work. And like we said, not only did Rob not know that Tim was staying at George and them house, but their family didn't know either. Remember, George and Tia, they're close with their family. They're really a tight-knit little community, and nobody knew that Tim was staying there. And at this point, Tim had been staying there for, like, what, two years? He got there in 2015, and he was there doing little odd jobs but baby you're still not there and so what happens when the man of the house is out making a living another man is at your house without a job and your wife is there also without a job and the kids are at school during the day i'll give you three guesses you were right on the first one. They started fucking all the time. And I mean, they were like, I mean, they had nothing but space opportunity and no fire under their ass to get a job. Their bills were paid, right? Their house was taken care of. The lights were gone beyond. So they were just making love to each other. And at this point, they're becoming like a couple. They're texting each other from inside of the house. They would send text messages to each other. She'd send him pictures. Oh, baby. Look at us. If she was with her mom or if there was family pictures with like her and her mom, he would be like, oh, I really enjoyed you sharing those photos slash memories with me. I haven't seen your parents in years. Oh, you're so freaking fine. You have so many different looks and no matter what look you rocking, you so damn sexy. And she does. She got a lot of different looks. <laughs> she was going through. She go through them wigs, baby. She go through them wigs. She's texting him. She's like... I know, baby. I know I'm still legally married, and it may say that I'm married on paper, baby, but it doesn't matter because my heart belongs to you, baby. Because my heart belongs to daddy. Dad, 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 dad. I guess after two years of living with this man, having sex with this man, she falling in love with him, and he falling in love with her. And they're like, we got to find a way to be together, be supported, <laughs> but be together for real. So I guess they concoct a plan that somebody's got to go. And it's George. They hatched this plan that they were going to figure out as soon as George got home and kill him and make it look like somebody just attacked him. So they needed to know exactly what moment he was going to come home. So they go out and they buy a GPS tracker and put it on the bottom of his car. Now this GPS tracker links back to an app, and then on the app or online, you can see where that person is at. On November 16th of 2017, George is working security at Linux for Lil Yachty, who was releasing his collaboration with Nautica, and he had Strickland Security up there holding it down. So, of course, this is a long event, and George gets home late that night between 11.23 and 11.25, and... 
On the way home, he calls Latanya Knowles. He and Latanya saw each other that evening, and they just chit-chat while he's pulling up to the house. As soon as he gets to the house, he gets off the phone with Latanya. He gets out. He locks his car. He puts his key in the door, and then boom, he shot twice, once in the chest and once in the face. It came out of nowhere. He had no time to react. Never even saw him coming. I know you love that DJ, so I bought us tickets for next week. Got you a coffee, oatmeal cappuccino, right? Your bookshelf. Wow. You've got a really, really great taste. Really great taste. Let's spend the day together. I've got it all planned out. Kindness. Now that's sexy. Try it for yourself with compliments. Now on Bumble. Instacart helps you get beer and wine delivered in as fast as an hour. So, whether you need to fill the cooler for tailgate season or fill your glass for Pinot by the fire season, you can save time by getting fall sips delivered in just a few clicks. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Must be 21 or over for alcohol delivery where available. Instacart. Add life to cart. Streaming October 6th on Paramount+. Plus. First place I learned about death was a pet cemetery. Dead things buried in that land. But come back. There's something else. Something's wrong with Timmy. He needs time to adjust. That's not Timmy. Something's talking through him. Sometimes dead is better. Pet Cemetery. Bloodlines. Rated R. Streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. So he's laying here on his front porch. And Tim walks over George's dead body, goes to George's truck, takes out the tracking device, and then goes back in the house. And he tells Tia to call 911 and tell them that George had been shot. So it's about six minutes after the shots are fired, and Tia calls the police. It's 11.31 p.m. And so does the neighbor's daughter, who is at home babysitting. First, first, the little girl calls her dad, and she's like, I heard gunshots, and it sounds like it came from inside the house, and he's like, call 911. So there's two calls being put out to 911 at this point. Tia's on the phone with them, and she says that she was asleep in her bed, and she woke up to gunshots, and she thinks that her husband was shot downstairs. She tells them that she does not want to go downstairs because she's a bit squeamish, and she don't want to see her husband like that. She says, it's me and my brother here, referring to Tim. We think my husband has just been shot. And then you hear Tim come in and say, it's George, he's been shot. And 911 investigator's like, can you or him do CPR? And she's like, oh, no, no, I can't do it. She's like, all right, Tim, you're going to have to do this. Goes on there, tells him how to do CPR. But before Tia lets them go, she says, hey, 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 can you do me a favor? When you pull up to the house, please not have on sirens and not do the lights. She said, I don't want to wake my kids. They said, no, ma'am, this is a dangerous situation. This is an emergency. This is, this is legit an emergency. We're coming with all the sirens and all the lights. Every single one of them. Who even says that? People who don't want to be embarrassed from their neighbors. Like, she don't want to cause a commotion. Girl, it's a fucking crime scene. There's going to be a commotion. 
So by 940, the police were at her front door with all the sirens, with all the lights to investigate the scene. Police find George, who is already deceased, lying on his back on his front porch, feet facing the door. Whoever shot him clearly fled the scene and police were thinking, okay, maybe this is a robbery gone wrong. It's late at night. He was trying to get into his house, but that doesn't seem likely because everything that is valuable is there with him. He has his wallet, he has his keys, he's got a cell phone, man even got an iPad on him. So clearly it wasn't a robbery, but from the looks of the scene, police can quickly tell that something is off. They're like, okay, we see that he's been shot twice clearly, but initially they can only find one shell casing and this means one of two things right like maybe somebody ran off and they picked up the shell casing maybe somebody tried to clean the scene maybe they were trying to collect the shell casing and they dropped a shell casing you never know but there should be two <laughs> there there must be two <laughs> if there were two shots they also found that all the security cameras at the house they weren't working properly like all the ones that were aimed at the front porch all of them that were and perfect sight to capture George's murder, they were disconnected. They asked about this, and apparently George was working on getting them reconnected. He works with security in other places, and he just, you know how you do stuff for everybody else, and you end up not doing it at your own house. Like, he works security and puts up security systems all the time. That's what he does at his business. That's what Rob does at his business. You do that stuff all the time. And then you go home and you don't do it at your own house. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, it was definitely on his to-do list. So it wasn't suspicious. Like Tia didn't disconnect them for the murder. You know what I'm saying? So the first thing that they do is they're like, okay, let's just see what happened. Tia, ma'am, can you just come and talk to us? She goes into the detective's car and kind of sits in there with them. And the police are like, okay, we've been here for a couple minutes. I'm the lead detective. It's nice to meet you. I'm very sorry for your loss, ma'am. They're at the scene in the car. And they're like, we initially thought it was a robbery, but he's got all his things on him. So it really couldn't be a robbery. Do you know if there was somebody that wanted to hurt George? Do you know if there's anything that would, anybody that had any beef with him, any slight thing like that? And she's like, no, I've been married to this man for 22 years and he doesn't have an enemy. That just is almost impossible. And they're like, okay, well, ma'am, can you tell me what happened? And she says, I was in the bed. Mm -hmm. Um, sound like gunshots. So when I first heard it, I ran to Tim's room. Tia says her brother, Tim, lives with them. So I went to his room, but he wasn't there. And then I remembered earlier tonight, I saw him at the table, at the laptop. So I yelled, did you hear that? And he said, it sound like gunshots. I said, yeah. I grabbed my phone, I had my phone, I called 911. What time did George leave the house today? I think he left around 7.30. He told me this morning he would be home anywhere between 11 and 1. Do you know of any reason anybody would want to hurt him or anybody in your family? No. Does he carry a lot of money? Had any problems with anyone? Broke. Yeah. We stay broke. I mean, he's self-employed, but we struggle really hard. And I lost my job probably about six weeks ago. And has there been any issues? No. If he did, he didn't tell me. Okay. I suffer from depression really bad. And so a lot of things that he thinks will stress me out, he won't tell me. Yeah. Sounds like a good husband. Now, Tia is running her mouth at the police, and she's telling them everything about her waking up to the gunshot. She's telling them about the 911 call. And she's like, well, you know what? One time, George told me 
that there was a white SUV that he found following him on a couple of occasions. And he told me that one time this white SUV tried to run him off the road. So maybe there is somebody out there trying to get him. And she just starts giving these theories to the police. She's like, "Mm, maybe it was a robbery. Maybe they got spooked and they ran off. And so the police were like, it can't be a robbery because nothing was taken. Like, even if they got scared, they would take his wallet. They would take the big iPad that was in his hand. They would take something. And she's like, well, maybe it was some gangsters. Man, we are in Beaufort, Georgia. Okay? We are in the suburbs. Ain't nobody, ain't no... We don't have a lot of gang activity up here, okay? We are at the good public schools. And they're like, okay, well, maybe he was working that gig tonight. He was working that little yada gig. So maybe somebody got upset and was trying to come after him. So she calls Rob after the police. She's like, Rob, what happened at the call tonight? What happened? And Rob's like, nothing happened. Like, there was nothing crazy. It was a normal job. We just made sure that didn't nobody bum rush a little Rob. I saw Rob speaking. And he was like, people think this line of work is a really hard, like, high intense people coming after you type of work. And really, it's not that. Like, when you're working security detail, you're really just pr- there to protect the celebrity. So the likeliness of you even coming up against somebody that wants to personally attack you is very slim to none. Unless you're the security system that's doing like baddies west like you're not really getting hit like that you just crowd control crowd control so then they go and they bring tim in a car and he's like how long have you been living here with them almost 10 years now i was living in um motels until my brother-in-law was like no um you can start working for me and and, and just stay in the house tell me what happened tonight I was at my laptop uh, doing work, and I heard a single shot, and then seconds later, I heard a second shot. I looked out. Oh, my God. It's George. And did you see any cars leaving, anybody speeding off? Any? Like, it was quiet as a mouse. I grabbed his hand. Like George, George, but he was just staring straight up. And I saw the blood just next to his head. Um, I stayed beside him until the officer showed up. Do you guys have any beef with anybody? Was anybody arguing? Any disgruntled other employees? Any disgruntled customers? This is absolutely crazy. They got to, like, listen, at this point, I'm starting to think George had a secret life. Because one thing they know is somebody meant to kill his ass. And it was like, if everybody's saying he's this good, sweet guy, there's something being done in the dark that will make somebody want him dead like this. Maybe he's got debts. Maybe he's got a gambling problem. Maybe he has an affair. And the boyfriend or the husband found out. So they was like, let's pull his phone records and see what we can find. So, of course, y'all remember he was on the phone with Latanya that night. So they said, oh, so you was on the phone with Latanya from 10.22 until the time you pulled up to the house, about 11-something, right? About 11.25. So on the phone for about an hour. They said, that's a significant amount of time to be on the phone with another woman that late at night. Let's go see what's going on here. So they decide that they're going to go look into her. 
Now, it's November 17th of 2017, and Tim goes into one of the places where George works, I guess his George's company, and when he gets there, he runs into a co-worker, and he and his co-worker talk, and he tells them that George was shot and killed last night. And the first thing that the co-worker asked about was the security cameras at the house, and Tim was like, they weren't working. Then Tim asked if he thought it would be possible to stay on as a subcontractor, even though George is no longer with them. After this happens, the cops, they go and see LaTanya. And she answers the door, and her voice is hoarse. They said, are you losing your voice? She says, I've been crying all day. It was like, well, what's your relationship to George? She says, I've been working for him for six years, and over the time, we've just become close friends. And they said, well... How did you know he was dead? And she says, his employee, Tim, came to the office today. She said, but actually, my last time talking to George was last night. She said, I talked to him until he pulled up to the house. He said, hey, I'm home now. I said, all right, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And now tomorrow's here and he's gone. She also shared with the cops that Tim and his wife were having some troubles, according to George, and that Tia wanted to leave the marriage. And she expressed that, She was emotionally withdrawn, and this made George bummed. That's the word she used. They press her again. Are you sure you and George ain't have nothing going on? She said, not romantically. And then the last thing the cops ask before they leave her is, do you know anybody who would want to hurt George? She says, I don't see him being involved in anything where someone would want to hurt him physically. So I just don't understand. She said, but. That guy who stays with him, Tim, I heard rumors a while ago that he was out on the streets and he had got himself into some issues. It's good to know. Good to know. So later this evening, Tia hops her ass on the news. That's right. She had herself a fresh wig. She had her boys next to her during this TV interview. And I don't know if I mentioned this, but the entire time, the night of the murder, her boys were asleep. Now, these aren't baby babies, and they're not also like, 16, 17. These are still young, preteen and younger boys, elementary, middle. And they were asleep the entire time. And if you ask some members of the family and if you ask some suspicious folks and if you put your ear to the streets, they think that she gave those boys sleeping medicine so that they would stay asleep in order to heavy air quote protect them from seeing their dad but it's giving more protect herself above all looking out for numero uno now in the interview tia is saying that she's so upset if anybody has any information that can lead to solving this case of my husband i would greatly appreciate it my kids was at home even my mama was there everybody was there when my husband was dying when my husband was murdered so if anybody has any information please step forward she's like i heard two loud gunshots at first i i thought it was gunshots but i wasn't sure what it was i didn't know if it was firecrackers so i ran to my brother's room he wasn't in there and then i remember he was downstairs on the laptop and i asked him i said did you hear that noise he said yeah it sounded like two gunshots and we was like okay well what do we do and he was like okay well I got guns. So he goes upstairs and he gets his weapon. He goes to the front porch. I stay upstairs. I'm 
squeamish. I can't I can't see that body. I'm I'm squeamish. And he tells me to call 911. I ask him what somebody shot. And he said that George was shot. My heart, my heart just sank. They're doing the news interview. And then she says, you took an innocent man from his wife and three children and a host of other friends and family that really, really love him. If you can find it in your heart anywhere, turn yourself in and just come clean. It would mean the world to me and my family. Tia is in this interview. She is talking about how great of a man George was. She's talking about how everybody just loved him and that she just couldn't fathom that anybody would want to hurt him. And she's just putting out her plea to the public. If anybody he sees anything or has heard anything at all, please, please turn yourself in. I just, I can't be like this. I can't do this investigation by myself. I can't do all of this by myself. So the police are like, okay, man, um, thank you for the interview. It goes out into the news and we hopefully will hear something. The police are like, okay, let's you let's get you back down at the station. Let's just get a few more questions, ma'am, so that we can really start digging our feet into this case. When she's at the police station, they're like, okay, hey, Tia, how have you been? I know it's been really rough. And she's just like, I just been breaking down a lot. Just a lot of breaking down and the family keeps coming out of town and it's there's a lot of family in town, so it's very stressful. My house is full right now. My oldest son, he's really taking it out the hardest. Like, he's just so distraught that he lost his dad, and I'm trying to be there for my kids. And then they ask her again. They're going to keep asking the same questions. So you and George's relationship, run that by me again. And she was like, well, remember, I lost my job, and I was in a really bad funk. I was depressed. And George was really understanding. He was just like, I got your back. I'm going to work harder until you find something. And they asked her, did you ever think about leaving George? She was like, no, like he's been taking care of me. I I couldn't get, get it for sure, but I heard that her mom was living down there as well. So that means that he was taking care of three adults and three children. Or maybe her mom was there for a long time visit, but her mom was definitely at the house. And they're like, well, tell me other things about your relationship and he's like well he he lived and breathed in boys like he loved them but you know our relationship it hasn't been that great sex was completely out of the picture at this point like he's working all the time and George even asked me he was like baby like what's going on do you even find me attractive anymore like what's up and she gets to be like yeah baby I still find you attractive I'm just depressed I just I can't have sex Pussy is dry when you said. Detectives are like, okay, okay, well, will anybody be jealous of you guys? Like anybody outside of your relationship that you may know of? And she's like, no, I don't, I don't think so. And they're like, okay, well, your brother, your brother Tim, how long has he been staying with y'all? She's like, oh, about about two years. Again, they're asking him. They're really trying to press her. She's solid as a rock any enemies can you think of anything like of course they're gonna keep asking because hopefully they're hoping that you would come up with something she's like no this is not anything that he would be involved in it's just some freak accident and so they're like okay well that's good to know and she's like where's george's body now and they're like ma'am he's at the morgue he's at the morgue right now we this is an open investigation he just passed and they're like do you know if George has a life insurance policy and she's like he did I don't even know if he does he probably let it lapse I, I, I don't keep up with those type of things that's what George keeps up with I don't even know I think he has some I'm not sure but I don't even know if he's paying I mean mine lapsed so his probably lapsed and it just makes it more real that he's really gone like what do we do the cops are like all right we're gonna lay off of you for a second you just chill out right here 
They go to head to talk to Tim, but another detective is working on something in the back. He said, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you go in there, I got something to tell you. They was like, all right, what's up? He said, George and Tia's neighbor just called me. And guess what they said? They said what? He said that after they heard the gunshots, they opened up a window, looked outside, and they saw a tall person dressed in all black run to George's car, get on the ground, look for something, and then run back into the house. They said, word, back into the house, huh? They said, yep. And he got on the ground, huh? Yep, this sounds fishy to me. He was like, yep. It was like, yeah, let's go grill Tim's ass. So they go in there. Hey, Tim, how's it going? He's like, I'm touch and go. I haven't broken down yet. So when it happens, it's really going to hit. And they was like, tell us, tell us again what had happened. He's like, I ran upstairs to go get my gun and came downstairs and found George on the ground. And then I ran back upstairs to put my gun up and I told T to call 911 and then went back down to George to give him CPR until a neighbor came over and helped. Now, I don't know if y'all was paying attention. This is a totally different story than when he's told them the first time. And they're like, let's just keep pushing. They said, we're trying to look for somebody who will have a reason to hurt him. So... You heard the shots. And he's like, yeah. And he says, then you go to the door. And they said, yeah. He said, so at what point did you go look under Tim's truck? And Tim's like, okay, okay. So he said, ooh, this is about to get a whole lot deeper. Let me take a little bit further. George knew something was going on. So he gave me money to put a tracker on the truck. And the detective was like, what does George need a tracker on his truck for? And Tim was like, in case he ever goes missing or the truck goes missing, we'll know where to look. And the detective says, now why would he be concerned that him or his truck are going missing? And Tim's like, he got involved with some things that he shouldn't have. And he was trying to get out of it. They said, help me, help me understand, because it's not clicking for me. Your friend, brother-in-law, has taken you into his house, cared for you, gave you a job. And he is lying dead on his porch. And your first thought is to run and get the tracker out of his car? Not check on him and make sure he's okay. Go get the tracker out the car? And he says, because George said if anything ever happened, just take it off because I don't want my family to know what's going on. And they ask if he's holding any other secrets. And he's like, no, no, I told you everything. They said, is there anything on your phone that will help give us more information, more clues. He says, no. They said, well, would you mind if we look for ourselves? He's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. So they take his phone, they exit the room. They look in his phone, and all of his messages from the day of the murder are deleted. He has nothing from the day of the murder. Then they go, they look for this app for the trafficking device, and it's also deleted. So they go back in there, and they've brought another detective in there now, right? So it's, like, real intimidating. And he's like... Why are you monitoring George's movements? And he's like, I want to monitor and monitor him. I just had a way to monitor him. He's like, so where's the app? He says, oh, I deleted it. He was like, listen, buddy, you better start saying something that makes sense and you better start talking fast. And he was like, I know why he wanted me to put a tracking device on his car. He was like, the truth is, George was a gun runner. I was like, excuse me? He said, yeah. He was, he was transporting guns from Florida to Georgia. 
and he was in some risky business, and this is why he needed me to track him, and he didn't want his family to find out. So then they're like, at this point, what's stopping me from believing that it's you who put the tracker on his car, found out exactly when he was going to get home, shot him, and that's why you tried to remove the tracker off of it. Tim's like, no, no, it wasn't me. Of course, I, no, I wouldn't kill George. I wouldn't do that. They end this investigation between the two of them. He's like, listen, Tim, I'm going to let you go back home. But I tell you what, we following you to the house because we got a search warrant and we're coming for that tracker. He's like, all right. Now they go to let Tia know it's time to go. Y'all, Tia is in the room, knocked out. They was like, this bitch really sleeping? This is the day after the murder. It's been one and a half days, and she is in the interrogation room in a slumber. And so the cops are like, something ain't right between the two of them. And at this point, they start to think maybe the two of them got something going on. They let them go. The cops are headed to their house as well. Tim and Tia are riding in the car together, and Tia calls her friend Kim, who was at her house. Kim is at the house with George's sister, Ivy. So when Tia calls, Kim just puts the phone on speakerphone. Tia says, hey, Kim, girl, I need you to do me a favor. Can you go into Tim's room and get all the phones that you can find and then put them in my room, please. Thank you. Kim is like, no, girl, I'm not going to do that. Because I guess Kim, friend Kim, got some sense. We don't hear much about Kim other than that Kim got a little bit of sense. She is not one of the friends you call in a time of need when it comes to the police, okay? Know which friends to call. So police show up. They have their search warrant in tow. They collect Tim's laptop. They collect several cell phones and of course they find that gps tracker police also find that in tim's room he has a couple of firearms they find two handgun holsters one handgun and a rifle that was in tim's truck now the cops are prepared to leave the house and then george's sister remember she came in town she hopped her ass right on the first thing smoking to get down to her brother she stepped outside she was like excuse me officer detective can i talk to you for a moment and they're like, yeah, absolutely. What's going on? And then she's like, listen, I love Tia. Tia is honestly one of my best friends, but she is moving really funny. And Tia called Kim and asked her to move the phones. And they're like, how do you know this? She was like, because it was on speakerphone and I was right there. And they're like, Kim left after the phone call. Kim got spooked out. She said that Tia was moving fishy and she didn't want nothing to do with it. This is not your you saw that video of when Erica Mena got arrested and all of them was acting up and Saucy Santana bolted out of the scene. Girl, it happened last week. They was all drunk in Atlanta and everybody started acting up. Santana said in an interview the next day said, mm -mm, I don't be around that type of stuff. I got out of there. And as soon as it started getting rowdy, there is a video of Santana. <laughs> running away sprinting away like you're not gonna get me caught up in no bullshit games. i do not want to get arrested girl i'm gonna find a video and send it to you but somebody posted in discussion groups says taz don't be on the internet so kim was like didn't want nothing to do with it georgia's sister goes on and starts talking and is like listen tia is acting weird 
when Tia lost her father, she couldn't do nothing but lay up and cry. I had to come down here. Our family came down here. Her family came down here. We were a big family. So we came down. We had to wrap our arms around her. And she took it very hard. And all of a sudden, her husband, after 22 years, is dead. And she's just cool, calm, collected. She's not really, like, grieving. She's not necessarily happy-go-lucky, but cordial. She's like... It's just weird. Like, Tia is just going about her day like it's nothing. Like, something is not right. Something is not right. And she's like, and I know, I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but I know that there's a big old life insurance policy on my brother. And they're like, Bert? What was that? How do you know that? And she's like, Tia told me. A couple months ago, she told me that there is a big old life insurance policy that my brother has out on him because he's the breadwinner of the family. They got three kids. He's got multiple businesses. His insurance policy is very high. And they're like, mm, that's very interesting, especially because Tia told us that it was her belief that the insurance policy had lapsed. Very, very interesting. So they bring Tia back inside the house and they're like, hey, Tia, quick question. Did you call anybody on our drive from the station down to the house? And she's like, yes, I did. And they're like, who'd you call? She said, I called my friend Kim. And they're like, okay, did you ask him to do anything for you? And she's like, no, I didn't ask him to do anything. You didn't ask him to move any cell phones or to do anything that would be tampering to our investigation. And she's like, no, I would never do that. And so the police are like, mm-hmm, okay, girl. And they're like, and Tim, what's going on with Tim? Tia and Tim are like, listen, we ain't got nothing to hide. We don't have nothing to hide. And the detectives are like, listen, I'm getting sick of this shit. Getting sick of you, getting sick of Tim, getting sick of all this shit. They're going over the evidence that they have here. Crime scene technicians, they performed gunshot residue tests. They did it on Tim's hand, but not Tia's. They found no residue on Tim's hand. They also found no residue on the door handles, and they still never found the other shell casing or the murder weapon. And they're really starting to focus in on Tim, who Tia has been calling her brother, but it's getting pretty clear that this is not her brother. I will say in Tia's defense, when they first brought her in that thing, she said he's not fleshly, my brother. And I don't know if that went over the head or ain't that what that meant. But she did say that. But it, it's it's this time where they're in the house, they're talking, and Rob shows up with his wife. And they're all at the young house. The police are asking a lot of questions to everybody, just trying to get somewhere in this investigation. And the detectives, they're talking it up with Rob, and they're like, yeah, we just spoke to T and her brother. And Rob said, T ain't got no brother. The police is like, you know what, that's what the fuck we're thinking. Rob begins to talk about him. He says, one night, me and my wife were over here, and it was getting late. And they told Tia that they were going to go home and freshen up and come back. And Tia said, before you go, do you mind doing something for me? Rob was like, of course. What is it? And Tia's like, oh, nothing really. I just need help finding Rob's life insurance policy. It's now day three of the investigation. The family members who lived out of state, they're hearing about this on the news. And his sister Ivy, who lives in Myrtle Beach, she she had drove down as soon as she heard about it. And she's calling her sister-in-law, calling Tia, and a man picks up the phone. And she said, why the fuck is a man answering a phone at my brother, my dead brother's house? And she's like, as far as I knew, only Tia, George, and the kids were at her house. And 
she she's like that's all she needed was to get her ass in a car and head on down to Buford so she pulls up and I don't know if she has a key to a house or whatever but she finds Tia and Tim in a bedroom with the door closed and she ain't confronted immediately but she was like again this don't sit right with me she didn't catch them doing nothing they were sitting awfully close behind a closed door she was like when she when she was interacting with Tia, her whole demeanor was off, and like she knows Tia, her and Tia are cool, close friends, and Tia sees her and she's like, "Oh hey, don't oh hey me, my brother is dead, your husband is dead, don't oh hey me." And then it was like as the day went on, it just seemed like Tia was just getting upset, but not upset like I can't believe I lost my husband but upset like what the fuck are all these people doing in my house bothering me I would really wish everybody would go home your family because at this point it's not his family my family y'all been together for 22 years in high school sweethearts it's y'all's family mm-hmm. y'all family you mad your family there oh, okay but then I also get like just wanting to isolate too if you are actually grieving did you already say when his sister when his sister showed up and they was in the same bed. You're not isolating. You got that man in your bed. And all the family who was there seeing her, they said they never really saw Tia cry. They said she'd be cordial, like, hey, do you want a drink? Come in, come sit down. But there was never any real grieving that they saw from her. And as they're sitting in the house, everybody's around. She just steps in the other room to take a call, and everybody can hear it. And they say she's just real cool, calm, and collected, talking about... Oh, yeah, you can donate this body part and that body part, and you can have that one. And it was like, she sure is dealing with this awfully well, real, real fucking well. And now Rob, Rob Strickland, Strickland Security Solutions, LLC, was like, you know what? Tia didn't ask me about this life insurance policy. She in here loud talking about where his eyeballs and body parts are going to go. She's just moving in a weird way, and he had that moment. And it's weird when you have that moment, like, I think it's time for me to call the police. Yep, I think it's time for law enforcement to get involved. So he ends up calling the police and tells them about what he sees on his side as some suspicious activity that led to his buddy's murder. Now, after Rob talks to the police, they go back to Tia and them house and Tia and brother Tim, they're like, okay, talk to us again. Tell us what happened. And Tia and Tim, I don't know if they got too lazy. I don't know if they forgot, but their story started to change. And now neither story was matching another. Now, Tia was telling dispatch, she was like, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was firecrackers or something on. And then in the background, you hear George has been shot. Now, Tim says he heard the gunshots, grabbed his gun, went outside to investigate and came back in and told Tia everything he saw. So they're like, okay, what's the order of events? Did you think that they were firecrackers first? Did you know that they were shots? Did he get his weapon? Was he sitting at the laptop? You, you, the, the story is just these itty bitty like thin fracture lines and it's not making sense. And this brother of yours, this close family friend, we also saw, Tia, come here, come here. We also saw that you said that you didn't know if they had a life insurance policy, but we find out after the very first time we talked to you that you called the insurance company to see if there was a policy. Turns out there is one. And she's like, yes. And you told Rob about how you needed to figure out the life insurance policy because that money would help you out a lot. And she's like, yes. And they're like, don't you find that a little weird? Which honestly, like, I don't find that a little weird. If I'm married and my husband dies after the hullabaloo with the police in the coroner, I think the first thing you're going to do is to look for a death certificate so that you can 
get the insurance policy because we got to pay for a funeral and niggas expecting a funeral in a week. So yeah, I'm going to need that life insurance because you so broke. And so then the checkers are like, okay, her activity is weird. The way that she's moving is weird. The way that she, we know that she has something to do with this. We know in our guts that her and Tim have something to do with it. But gut don't mean nothing when you're a detective. You need hardcore evidence if you're going to arrest somebody. And finally, they got that hardcore evidence, baby. They got the phone records back. Now, I want to remind you guys that nobody knew that Tim was living with them. So when all this family is coming in town, they're like, they're very suspicious because what is Tim doing here? Tim lives here? Since when? We didn't even know you... I had contact with Tim. Like, everybody knows Tim from back in the day from South Carolina, but, like, nobody even knew that Tim was here. Baby, when them detectives saw those text messages, you could have picked their jaw up off the ground. They go through that damn phone. It's all types of text messages. It's all types of I love yous. It's all types of babies. We can't wait to be together. It's all types of you so fine and I love you and my my heart is yours. I already I said this one earlier, but it's really the I know I'm married legally on paper. You know that I want to be with you. Girl. And then after all the sexual text messages, the little flirty jokes, all of that, they also see that y'all got some messages that are alluding to murder. There was a meme that they sent to each other and it said, the fortune teller says your husband will meet a violent end. And the lady responds, will I be convicted? Girl, don't let the memes get you messed up. And then Tim, his Google searches were very interesting. So he was Googling things like snake venom, black widow spider venom, deadly toxins for sale just so it looks like they like had an initial right so it's looking like they had an initial plan to make it look more natural and they just said nah let's go with the gun the detectives are like all right we got these phone records we didn't find about this life insurance policy which by the way has not tracked right because the life insurance company is saying that she called them on friday at 5 14 and on the 18th she said she didn't know about the policy which either is either the same day or the day after but point is she made contact and lied about it they're like tia we are just really scratching our heads we got a few more questions you think you and tim can come down here they agree on three o'clock and they wait for tia and tim to show up now again they've got them in separate rooms tia goes ahead and takes a nap and they start with tim they've printed out all these text messages they sit down they're like listen we're just going to start off, you recognize these? And they slide the text messages his way. And he looks down, he's reading, and he's quiet, and he's reading. And Tim looks up and says, I would like to contact an attorney. I bet the fuck you would. So they, um, I'm like, all right, Tim, we're going to leave you alone for now. They was like, all we got left is Tia. So they go work her little ass up. They said, question, do you think Tim was involved in any way in George's murder? And she said, I ain't never seen anything that will show that they had any beef with each other. And they was like, well, here's the thing. We got a lot of evidence point towards Tim. And she straightens up in her chair, gets a little more focused. And they said that they showed Tim a whole lot of evidence that he would not be able to deny. And her face starts to get real concerned. Her brows are furrowing. They said, and what's even more interesting is Tim has pinned everything 
on you. And her brow went up. I heard her eyebrow say, excuse me. And you, you can see, like, her chest going up and down. Like, she's nervous, okay? So they was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tim told us that you guys were in a relationship and you were the mastermind behind this whole thing and that y'all was really after George's million-dollar life insurance policy. And Tia was like, now that is a lie. She says, now, if Tim was involved, I don't know nothing about that. I ain't do nothing. That is a lie. And it was like, you called the very next day to check on that insurance. And she says, the next the, the day after that, I can't remember. They said, it was the next day. You don't have to remember. We've got the records. And she was like, now, I would never take anybody's life for some money. And they said, well, check this out. We know you and Tim have been in a relationship for a very long time. And she says, I have not. It is a close friendship. <laughs> the detective said, listen, ma'am, we done took everything off that phone. I've got emails that you have sent to him saying and speaking on your sexual relationship. And he slides the paper her way. He says, you remember these? And she says, yes, I do. And they said, oh, okay. Okay, we finally get a little truth Now she remembers. That now you remember. He's more than just a close friend. She just had to be reminded and she's like, okay, yes, I had an affair. I'm going to be honest. And they said, is the affair still going? She said, yes. And I am ashamed to admit it. But I had nothing to do with that murder. Nothing at all. <laughs> Timeline gets a little wonky right here, right? Because first 48 made it sound like they got arrested like on this day three, possibly day four. But the records say that she didn't get arrested until late April of the next year. And so that's what confuses me. It makes me feel like First 48 lied about the timeline. Yeah, I don't. I, don't, I think that First, First 48 probably was just showing what they had. And then was like, here's the result at the very end. Yes. I forgot how good First 48 was. Like, <sighs> my was goodness. Cool. I'm so tired of seeing these horrible reenactments. First 48 was good. But, you know, they came into the room and it was like, we're going to go ahead and arrest you now. And they was like, okay. But, like, maybe they didn't stay in jail. I don't know. Anywho, in between this reported date of April, George had a funeral on November 25th of 2017. A GoFundMe account was set up by their neighbor, Marcelo, and it was on behalf of the children and Tia. And then when things started to get pointed towards Tia, he took it down and refunded people's money. And I think they started a new GoFundMe for the kids and Tia's mother because now she would be raising these kids. In late April 2018, Tia and Tim were charged with malice murder, felony murder, and aggravated assault. Both of them stood in front of the judge. No, judge, I'm not guilty. I'd like to plead not guilty. And they were like, okay, that is your legal right. So let's get ready to. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial. So it's March 25th, 2019, and they had a joint trial. Neither one of them testified, and they stood in front of Gwinnett County Superior Judge Tracy Mason. And I just want y'all to know that, I like, if you're in it, no trouble in Gwinnett. 
I am so happy that you just said that. That is not the place you want to get in trouble. You got to know your area. Know where to get in trouble. Know what the police are like in your area. During the trial, prosecutors, they are alleging that the two of them had a secret affair behind her husband's back for months. Some people say months, some people say years, but we can at least know for sure that it was happening for a few months. Tia and Tim... They were like, listen, we enjoy the lifestyle that we have. And the only thing that's standing away is George. But George is funding our lifestyle. So how do we get rid of this? Aha. He's got a million dollar policy. He's worth more dead than alive. So let's kill him. Let's get the policy and let's ride off into the sunset together. Prosecutors bring up about how on the night of the murder, Tim took the tracking device off of George's car. And because Tim had the tracking device on his car, they knew the exact moment that George would arrive. It is possible that they were literally on the phone watching him arrive. So when he put his, he did not get his keys into the door, but his keys were in his hand headed to the door. You know, that had to be pristine timing. And you would only know that type of timing if you were actually tracking this man to then shoot him two times, once in the face and once in the chest. And they're also talking about like, listen, even if their story is true, that there's that it's bang, bang. What is that? Let's go check. Oh, no, it's George. That's about a minute, a minute and a half. It took Tia 10 minutes to call 911 and report the crime. That's extremely suspicious it's also suspicious how she talks about she don't want to come down and see her husband's dead body because she's squeamish squeamish this is your man the medical examiner gets up there and testifies that the bullets that killed george came from either inside the home or super close to the home when george was opening the front door so it had to be somebody opened the door and shot him or was literally standing at the door because he was shot from the front it wasn't like he was shot from behind and someone snuck up behind him the medical examiner also testified that the bullets that entered the front of george's body was a 40 caliber mmp smith and wesson handgun and here's the thing the gun was never found and there was no records that either Tia or tim purchased this specific gun but you know he had guns you ain't got to purchase it officially, but there were no official records that he even owned this type of gun. Now, Latanya Knowles, remember, that's George's friend and employee. She testified that George and her were on the phone until he pulled up at the house. Phone records show that the call ended at 11.23 p.m. And he was like, all right, I'm at the house. She was like, I was on the phone with George the entire time and his ride home was normal. When he pulled up at the house, it was normal. He's an observant type of guy. So he would have at least looked outside to see if he saw anybody upon arrival. And he didn't. Her children also testify in a murder trial. The oldest son testified to the fact that he was a heavy sleeper. And so it's very possible that he slept through the whole ordeal. Another son was prescribed sleeping medication. And even though he didn't take it regularly, Tia did have him take one that night. And then Tia's mom also testified that she usually has her TV really loud, and so she didn't hear anything either. A total of seven neighbors testified to hearing the gunshot that night. Also, Kim testified 
She said T apologized to her for asking her to do something crazy, and she only asked because one of Tim's texts may seem violent, but she didn't give any explanation for why she wanted her to get the phone. On April 6th of 2019, the jury deliberates from 8.15 that morning to almost 7 p.m. that night. Tia was convicted of felony murder, aggravated assault, criminal attempt to tamper with evidence, and was found not guilty of only one charge of malice murder. Tim, however, was convicted of everything. Rob said that even though a guilty verdict wouldn't bring George back, it felt good knowing that the people responsible for his murder were arrested, charged, and convicted. On April 11, 2019, Tia was sentenced with life in prison with the possibility of parole plus three years. Tim got life without the possibility of parole. At sentencing, the judge had very few words for the couple. The judge was like, if it was not for the affair, George would still be alive. And he also placed the blame on Tim because George, George opened up his home to you. He helped you when you had nothing and you were down on your luck. This man comes in and is your savior. And not only did you have an affair with his wife in his home, you then murder this man. Make that make sense. It's the ultimate betrayal because... He owed you nothing and gave you everything. He And gave you everything. And now what do you get? And I get it. Like, that is the ultimate betrayal. But honestly, like, Tia, that's the ultimate betrayal. How you lose your job, you down on your luck. And your man says, baby, I know that your mental health is not go- great right now. I'm going to hold it down. As a man, I don't know about men and egos, and I'm not on this podcast to start having men's back. But <laughs> as but as a man, to be like, baby, what's going on? Like, are you not attracted to me anymore? Like, I'm trying, I'm trying to have sex with you. And it's like, no, baby, I'm depressed. But really, you doing other things. We've been together for 22 years. You tell me in 22 years you can't be straight up? Even if the straight up is I want to go? Even if the straight up is, it's over, guess I wasn't worth it to you. The judge goes on to talk about how George didn't deserve this. He was a hardworking family man. He loved his kids. He gave his kids everything and gave his friends everything. He gave you a place to stay. And then now that I'm also thinking about it, he gave you a place to stay and didn't embarrass you because nobody knew that you were staying there. (laughs) And it looked like everybody knew you was a bum ass nigga. And he decided not to put your business out on the street because he's close with his family. He definitely should have, could have told them that your bum ass was staying at his house. LaTanya said it was very unfortunate. We lost a good friend and no murder verdict could ever bring him back. She also said she was happy with the verdict and then what both of them were sentenced to. Now, you know, frickin' Frack definitely decided they wanted to file an appeal. In Tim's appeal, he said that the trial counsel was constitutionally ineffective because they didn't object to the evidence of George's good character. They did not object when the prosecution showed a photograph of George alive with his children because of course they're like look at this man he's a family man da, 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 da. and he's saying that his lawyer should have objected to that he also said that the prosecution was like kind of ragging on him like see tim's not even talking but he has the right to not speak and the fact that the prosecution was even bringing up the fact that i wasn't speaking and you didn't object to that i have a right to remain silent his appeal was denied 
They were like, no, Bookie, you stand right there, right there in prison, okay? And Tia, she filed an appeal, and her appeal, she said that the evidence was insufficient to sustain her convictions as a matter of constitutional due process. She also said that the trial court abused its discretion by denying her pretrial motion to sever the trial from Tim's. She was trying to get a separate trial. Appeal denied. So where are they now? Tia will be eligible for parole in 2049, and she will be 73 three years old. She is serving her sentence at the Pulaski State Prison, and Tim is serving his sentence at Macon State Prison. Um, girl, Pulaski, that's where old girl last week is. Mm-hmm. I don't remember which twin is at Pulaski, but Pulaski is... Got him. Got some, got some characters in there. Rob said he felt like Tia's betrayal hurt the most and that he hopes that she suffers every day. But George's sister, she interestingly said that she loves Tia still, but she just said she's very disappointed. And she says she's more hurt than Tim. She says Tim hurt her the most, but Tia disappointed her the most. But I think that's very big to still have love for somebody. Like, you go sit there and do what you do, and I still love you as a sister, but you fucked up. That was her best friend. They were close. She's like, I lost my brother and my best friend. What do you do? question everything mm-hmm. and like i can't what even do i do know nobody during this time because we got a problem <laughs> we have a big problem exactly exactly all right that's the t- story of tia and her promiscuous ways with her rent-free live-in boyfriend all right y'all it's time for well i'm not black i'm oj i ain't do it but if i did this is how I would have got away with it. I got one. I ain't do it, but if I did, when she called 911 and she was saying, please don't come with the lights and the sirens, you're going to wake up my kids. I wouldn't have said, wake up my kids. I would have, I would have made a lie. I would have been like, I have epilepsy. Please don't come with the lights and sirens. I don't, I had a college roommate that was epileptic. And one time we, we had to call 911 because she was having a seizure. And that was what I had to tell 911. Don't come with the lights and sirens because she has epilepsy. That would have been an excuse. And they would have said, okay, we're not going to come with the lights and sirens. Right. Boom. There you go. I ain't do it. But if I did, I, let me see. I ain't do it. But if I did, I ain't let my man take care. Like, how you choose the bum ass nigga over the man who's provider? How you choose the man who can't do nothing for you? That can't support you. Exactly. Because she was thinking about her fifis and like oh he's there to spend time with me well maybe you should have like put the effort in baby listen I know that times are hard right now but I need some attention and I'm the type of person if I'm in a relationship I will literally be like I need some attention and maybe you should have just told him that did you tell him that so that he could well, make those adjustments for you things in life we forget I ain't do it, but if I did, I just would not have gone out and got the tracking device. I would have actually just left it there and left the app on my phone and everything. And I think your story would have went well. If you no, it wouldn't have gone well because I on mean, the device, I think better. Uh, better. But then I'm thinking on the app, it would not have any like prior location because, you know, like on uh, AirTags, you can see where it's been. His car would have never gone down to Florida. Oh, and this man don't even have nothing to do with guns like security a lot of times they're unarmed like you can choose to have armed or unarmed and he worked most of the unarmed shifts rob was talking about him and was like that man did not know how to use a gun rob said george wanted to learn how to use a gun 
And so I was like, okay, cool. You ain't never held a gun. So Rob takes his gun out of his holster that's on his hip. He empties the clip. He takes the one out the head. Gun is completely empty. He slides it back. And he's like, all right, here, hold the gun. He said George was holding that gun. He said even the way George was holding the gun, I got scared. I said, give me the gun back. Give me the gun back. He's like, I had to question myself. I didn't even know. You know how some people hold guns crazy. You like, I know I took the gun. I know I took the bullet out, but you you just scared me. He said, we're just gonna find a day because that was in his office. He's like, we'll find a day. We'll go to the range. We'll go outside into the woods or something. So him even smuggling guns across state lines doesn't make sense. But how? Because how are you gonna smuggle guns yet you don't even touch guns? Don't make sense. I ain't do it, but if I did, y'all have got to stop killing people while y'all kids is at home. Honestly, y'all got to stop taking y'all kids' father out. If y'all kids' father is not abusing you and the kids and he's a good daddy taking care of shit, let these kids have their father, bro. Why are you putting that trauma on them for to, to get a right. little nut? Like, what? Because you're in love with this yeah. man, then leave. Three boys, you took their father, and they ain't got no mama either. That's sad. It's really... Because you really could divorce him. And if y'all got married at 19, 20, y'all probably didn't have a prenup. Girl, if you don't divorce that man and take all his stuff, take half of that house and call it a fucking day. Not and take all his shit. Half, half. <laughs> you get have half. Let me see. I ain't do it, but if I did, me and Tim needed to have a real conversation of what our story was going to be and stick with it. And we needed to practice our story. We need to rehearse our story. A few times. Yeah. Y'all should have known that shit backwards and forwards. Exactly. I didn't do it. But if I did, I would have... What would I have done? I would have had Tim sitting out the house. Like, he needs to be hidden in some bushes. Buck the tracker. Stay up all goddamn night if you have to. Eyes on the prize. Sneak attack. Then you don't have to run out to get the tracker. Stealth mode, stealth mode, shimmy back into the house. You did a pretty good job at hiding the gun or whatever, and there was no gunshot residue on you. Keep that same shit up, and then let niggas be confused. But the big tipper was seeing you run out to the fucking car, and then back into the house. Be invisible. Be invisible. I ain't do it, but if I did, text messages, text messages, text messages. They can be recovered even when you delete them off your phone. That is the statement. Y'all in the same house. Y'all better slide a note to each other. Y'all together alone all day, at least while the kids are at school. You're together alone all day. And I wonder, did the kids ever see anything? Like, was Uncle Tim and Mommy acting weird? Right. I think that's all I got. Yeah, me too. All right, y'all. Parole or no parole? It's a no for me, dog. Yeah, I ain't got nothing in it for you. By the time she get out, she's going to be, what, 73, 78? She's going to be old as shit. Maybe then, but, yeah, you, he gave you everything. Yeah. No parole, buddy. Neither one of y'all. All right. Let's go ahead and read some reviews and get out of here, because I got to go to work. All right, you guys. If you would like to read us a review, you can anywhere. Anywhere. Just do it. Tell somebody about how amazing this show is, okay? If you happen to not like this show, send me an email about how you don't like it. Do not post it anywhere. Do you have a review? I do. 
This one says, hey, y'all, it's me, Shannon. Just wanted to drop a line and say, once again, y'all are the bomb.com, a bag of chips with the whole chopped beef. Y'all are the whole seafood bag, extra spicy, but not the ball that tastes like the ocean. No, for real. Taz and Mariah, y'all podcast is everything to me. I dibble and dab at other podcasts as I'm caught up with Sisters Who Kill, and they ain't even in the same section of the library with y'all. Keep y'all foot on their necks. That's on period, comma, and exclamation. Keep bringing the stories to y'all fans, real and uncut. I appreciate the time you put into each story. I want more, but understand y'all have a life outside of this podcast. I'm so proud of you both. Love y'all, Black Girl Magic, all day. Yes, thank you so much, Shannon. She said, I'm this posting one is this from... on all platforms, so y'all read my review. Okay, this one is from Love's Art. Love's Art says, five stars, the sound of her voice, dot, dot, dot. These stories are succinctly told. The black and queer perspective are refreshing and rare in the true crime space. The relationship between the hosts is tight. The but if I did wrap it up is hilarious, but sometimes I just tune in to hear the sound of her voice that voice don't get me wrong they both have lovely voices but tune in you'll know what i'm talking about and there's a tazzy fan why what she say <laughs> she said she didn't say who but she said it's hilarious but sometimes i tune in to hear the sound of her voice that voice don't get me wrong they both have lovely voices but tune in you'll know what i'm talking about <laughs> what a kissy emoji that could very well be you Girl, don't nobody come tune in to hear my voice. Everybody here wants me to shut up. No, no, not at all. All right, y'all. If you want to keep up with us, you can. Follow us on Twitter, Sisters Who Kill. Follow us on Instagram, Sisters Who Kill Pod. On TikTok, Sisters Who Kill Podcast. We have a public Facebook page, Sisters Who Kill. You can like that. And then you can also join the private Facebook discussion group where we get into all the nitty gritty. And somebody has to post that video of Saucy Santana running away when Erica Mina was getting arrested because... Mm -mm. Ain't got nothing to do with it. Call me Bennett. I ain't in it. Mm -mm. Anything else, friend? Talk to us. We talk back. Bye. Bye. Bye.